We gotta go to the bullpen. Welcome to the Highland Bullpen, the all-new podcast bringing America's pastime to Scotland shores. It doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues, this is the podcast for you. Hi folks, Alan here and welcome to another episode of the Highland Bullpen. It's playoff fever here as we've got the Red Sox heading into the playoffs after a a long season where they managed to get through and Dave has done a wee preview of their wildcard game with the Yankees. We know how that's turned out but Dave had some good insights into the game and we're delighted to see what's, what's happened there. And his namesake, Dave Jr., talks about the White Sox and their second consecutive appearance in the playoffs uh, facing up against the Astros. Will the White Sox go one step further than last season? Uh, Here's hoping. Anyway, enjoy listening to the two boys having a chat. So... After six months, 162 games, a lot of fun and a little stress, or is it the other way around? It comes down to this, a one-off American League wildcard game at Fenway between age-old rivals, the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox. It's been quite a year in the AL East Division with no less than four of the five teams at over 90 wins. In the words of NESN's Dennis Eckersley, that doesn't happen very often. Tampa Bay has exactly 100 wins and clinched the division by eight games, with Boston in second and New York in third with identical records of 92 and 70. Toronto somehow miss out one game back on 91 wins. Really tough on the Jays. Meanwhile, in the National League, The Dodgers will play a winner-takes-all game against the St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow, despite having won 106, 106 games this season. That's right, 106 wins. I'm not sure if that has happened before either. Also with 90 wins in the American League, and just falling short was our own Seattle Mariners, Rico's favourites who kept it going till the end, almost forcing a four-way tie and game 1-6-3. The latest massive crucial game between these two greats of the game in more than a century of such occasions will take place at Fenway at Boston, as Boston leads this series, this season's series against the Yanks 10-9, despite being swept 3-0 less than two weeks ago at Fenway, a series that threatened to halt Boston's postseason chances. Will that series take a bearing on this one-off game? Well, the Yankees outscored the Red Sox 19-9, limiting Boston to three runs in each of the games. The Red Sox have scored 829 runs this season at an average of just over five runs a game. 
Only the Dodgers, Houston, Tampa and Toronto has scored more. On the other hand, Boston has the highest runs against record of all 10 playoff teams this year, by a considerable margin as well. They, or rather we, have conceded 749, with no other team having broken 700. So will it come down to pitching? Well, it's uh, Cole versus Evaldi again. Cole is a Yankee ace. He's 31, has a win-loss record of 117 and 63 over his career with an ERA of 320 and 1,673 strikes, no less. He joined New York in 2020 from the Houston Astros. Nathan Ivaldi is Boston's ace, with Chris Sale having just come back late in the season after Tommy John surgery. Nate is also 31 and has a win-loss record of 61 and 65, an ERA over four and just under a thousand strikeouts. So he's not quite in the same stratosphere as Mr. Cole, although Nate did start the All-Star game this year. He's been with the Red Sox since 2018 and therefore has a World Series ring and actually played for the Yankees between 2015 and 16. This season, Nate is 11 and nine with an ERA of 375 and Garrett Cole is 16 and 8 with an ERA of 3.23. Both are righties and faced off in game one on the 22nd, 24th sorry, September, in which Cole got the win going six full innings. He did give up five hits and three earned runs, but Nate got knocked out of the game early after only two point two and two thirds innings pitched with seven hits and seven earned runs. New York has um, seen the lineups, and New York has three left-handed hitters in their lineup, including trade deadliners Rizzo and Gallo, plus switch hitting uh, shortstop Velasquez. <coughs> Excuse me. Boston lead off with their own trade deadline man, lefty. Kyle Schwab's Schwaber, the formidable Rafi Devers, Devers Delivers would be a great headline again, is of course a lefty, and so is Alex Doogie Verdugo. The massive blow for the Red Sox is that Master DH, J.D. Martinez, is out of the game after spraining his ankle, his left ankle, tripping over second base, running out to play right field. A freak injury that certainly doesn't help Boston's cause. However, Boston's been resilient all year. After a great start to the season, they certainly faltered around the All-Star break. And of course, they've had to contend with severe COVID issues during the run-in and other injuries. I think I heard a stat that they have used over 50 players on their roster this year and Alex Cora has needed to be creative, very creative, especially lately and especially with his bullpen. Everyone needs a a good bullpen, right? The message went out from Cora at the weekend to all pitchers, including his starters, spikes on. 
and on Sunday starter Erod pitched the eighth inning and got the win and starter Nick Pivetta pitched the ninth and got the save. This is what gives me hope. Alex Cora, the manager and the team spirit and their resilience. I feel they will come good in a charged atmosphere at Fenway. A close game I feel and more stress for Red Sox nation, but a narrow win. 6-5 anybody? Okay, so onwards onto the matchup starting tonight um, in the ALDS between the second seeds, Houston. Uh, we've got our friends across there that run the podcast and they've come on before uh, and my own White Sox in, in third place in that seeding. So unfortunately, we weren't quite able to catch up with Houston uh, in terms of that winning percentage, which means that more games will be played at Houston um, than at in Chicago, which uh, it really is a big play. You know, everyone likes to have home field advantage, but when you think about that stadium in, in Houston, the surface, it's a big, big advantage for, for the guys there. Uh, potentially as well, the, the fact that the Houston Astros gave the White Sox a bit of a drubbing, 4-0. Uh, not just a 3-0 series win, but, but all four games there earlier in the year uh, against a very uh, a different White Sox team that will take the field tonight. Um, but in my opinion, the Astros, I think they're the best team in the American League. I think the most well-rounded outfit from games that I've seen. Granted, I haven't seen as much as I have of the White Sox. Um, but to me, they, they just seem to be the most well-rounded. Uh, I really quite like their outfit. Um, so the worrying part is that tonight we have our, our pitcher, Lance Lynn, who we brought him in in the off-season as a, a real figure of stability. You know what you get. You're going to get fastballs, you're going to get strikes, you're going to get a whole lot of innings, which is great. And he's had that season. He's had a, a completely, a, a wonderful season for us. However, uh, the last time, the last six times that Lance has stepped up to the mound in, in Houston itself, he is zero for six. And if you extend that to even times that he's faced Houston on the home mound, uh, he's 0 for 5, uh, and you're looking at a 6 ERA, which again is an indication that over 9 innings, he would give away around about 6, six runs over the piece, which isn't great. Um, but again, he's he's looking to change things up a little bit. He's um, it, It's been noticed that during his outings in September, uh, for a man who, who works solely on his fastball, he's really been introducing a, a new change-up. Um, and a curveball as well, which is through people a little bit, but clearly um, they realised this game was coming up, they knew his record, and it's trying to give the, the batters of Houston that little bit something else to focus on. Uh, on the, the flip side, Giolito will start game two for us, and he has, he's got a great record against the Astros. So my... My own personal feeling is that if we were to leave Houston, having picked up one of the two games, I really, really fancy our chances coming back to Chicago for two games and taking the series 3-1. Who knows? Could finish 3-0 either way. But I, I, I like how we can get on it. I think it's imperative to come away from Houston uh, with a, a game under our belts. Uh, I really do. So... Uh, really, really quite interesting when Houston travelled to Chicago before they 
didn't really record a high run count. I think they struggled on the road a little bit. So if we can get our pitching nailed down, I think we really stand a great chance of, of winning the series. But again, some great players. We, we speak about Chicago quite a lot on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but some of the, the players that I've really been impressed with, Kel Tucker, he just get crazy hitting power. He hits so far down that lineup. Pitchers must think, working their way through the top of the order, first, second, third, fourth, get the big hitters out of the way. But a guy like that, rolling up in seventh, uh, he's just got fantastic power. Um, the the flip side to my TA coin, uh, Jose Altuve, he's, he's so important as a lead-off man. Actually, a little bit about lead-offs, it's some some notes I made about, about the two men facing each other. Tim Anderson, it just goes to show you, he played in 50 losses this season for the White Sox. In those 50 losses, one home run and four RBIs. So it just shows the importance of having someone in there, that, that firecracker, that, that guy that can really just kick things off and set the tone for a game. Uh, and again, that completely is duplicated by Altuve. In the 60 losses he played for Houston this year, he smacked four out of the park and 12 RBIs. Again, for those two two men, low, low numbers, and it just shows you if they're on fire, the team's on fire, and they stand a much better chance of, of winning. Uh, again, I'm hoping that TA can cover things off tonight. His first real postseason last year, had a quick look at how he'd performed. Nine hits across three games last season. At the Field of Dreams game this year, when he knew he was centre centre stage the whole of America watching that night he's a man for the, the spotlight uh, and I really hope he can set the tone tonight uh, again Michael Brantley is another one I love for the Astros I just think he's a great all round player great power um, great pedigree I really enjoy watching his swing um, something else that came out from having a look at the two teams the White Sox have the most strikeouts from their pitchers in the American League. On the flip side, the Astros are struck out second least across the American League, which it could indicate some long, long games uh, over the next few nights. Uh, but again, it shows when the pitching is right for the White Sox, they can absolutely take this series. But the Astros, they're so selective um, aggressively so aggressively selective um, to have reached the, the heady heights that they have this season uh, talking about heavy hitters Jose Abreu mentioned earlier with his hit by pitches he's a bit of a um, a bit of a doubt for tonight or he's not quite at 100% uh, coming back from the flu which he's suffered from in the last few days but Fever's cleared, and hopefully he's got a different type of fever on bat that battle fever, um, and he can he can really set the tone because when he when you've got men and running, uh, sorry, runners in scoring positions for the White Sox, he is a man that's going to bring them home uh, every time. A couple of little stats. I know the guys like some little oddities, some trivia. So two two very historic. I'm trying to say old. Two very aged managers in the dugouts today. It's the first time in MLB history in the postseason you've got two men in their 70s facing each other. It just goes to show that 
there's absolutely no no barrier to success when it comes to age. Having dug a little bit deeper into those managers' records, they have faced each other 208 times as managers. And I think it's absolutely remarkable when you look at the split of those 208 games. 104 plays 104. So the one... The one thing that sticks out is that after this series, you will have a clear winner, uh, one way or t'other, uh, between Tony for the White Sox and Dusty Baker at the Astros. Um, and a little side note, Tony actually managed Dusty Baker at one point, which shows uh, how long these two guys have been in the game. Uh, I don't know too much about Dusty, seems to be a, a real character, um, a real a man of man of strength, um, which leading the Astros through this type of season when you've got so many away fans, perhaps jeering the team, which is we've talked about it on the podcast before. I think we've all got a little bit of a soft spot for the Astros, um, but to to help that team mentally through all those things, I think you'd have to be a strong character. I think you've got to be a strong character to to perform at this level of elite sports anyway. Um, but two good guys in the dugout. And I'm excited to see where things go. So at the moment, I am. I'd love to see. It. We know these things, but I'm. I'd like to see a three-one win. I'd love to see a three-nil win for the White Sox. Yeah, but a lot of baseball over the next few nights, uh, and I'm hoping that my next analysis will be in taking on Dave's Red Sox or the Tampa Bay Rays for the American League pennant. It'll be. Uh, needless to say, you're going to get some good baseball uh, in the coming days.